Crescent Summit is really just about um, putting in the work, like like running uphill, running up a mountain is not easy, uh, but there's no better feeling than that moment when you start to come up over the crest and start to see like the sunrise and you're almost at that mountain peak. And it's kind of this metaphor for, for achieving goals, right? Mm. The goal is to get to the top of the mountain and the journey is, is the grinding of going up that mountain and um, the, the, the hardship and the experiences that you, you, you go through. And it's really what you encounter, like it's worth it because that view that you get and that level of satisfaction and achievement of saying like, that was hard and I did this. Like, I mean, I think for every trail and ultra runner out there, mountain runner, like you, I, I think that, that strikes a chord. It's like, that, that's why we love to do what we do is because um, you can't get that same type of experience, I think, running uh, a ton on roads and that kind of stuff. When mm -hmm. you get to go off the trails and be in nature, it's like, um, it's a, a much grander experience. You're listening to the Sasquatch Trail Runners Podcast, where every run is a trail party. I'm your host, Kim Levinsky, and today's episode is the recording from our Run Venture Facebook Live series on Thursday, January 21st, 2021. We sat down with ultra runner Cole Crosby to hear about his 197-mile run across the state of New Jersey from High Point all the way down to Cape May. So sit back and relax or grab some Black Forest gummy bears and hit the trails and enjoy the show. Today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Black Forest Gummy Bear, the snack of choice for Cole Crosby and so many other ultra runners. We are excited to serve as a spokesperson on their brand new gummy bear flavor. Coming soon to a store near you, get ready to try the new Cinnabon flavor. What could be better than that? Black Forest Gummy Bears, making runners dreams come true, one bag at a time. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Sasquatch Trail Runners Facebook Live series, our first episode for 2021. I am joined here by my friend Cole Crosby. He's to my left, and we're going to give him a squatchy introduction after we go over just a brief uh, overview of what events we have going on for Sasquatch Trail Running. Feels like it's been a long time since we've done this. It's been a couple weeks. Back in December was our last episode. So we're excited to get back out here with you. So tonight, again, we're going to be talking with Cole Crosby, hearing about his 197-mile run across New Jersey from High Point to Cape May. And so Sasquad land, what we have going on. So last weekend, we had our annual Frosty Fat Sass Trail Race at the South Mountain Reservation in West Orange, New Jersey. This year, the trail party looked a little bit different, but we were so glad that we did not have to cancel the event. We had a great turnout over the course of the five or six days that we had the course marked. So thank you so much for coming out to the trails. I was out there um, almost every day of the series and I saw so many familiar faces. I met a lot of new runners, which was really encouraging. Um, so if you ran or hiked this past weekend and you want your results to be included on Ultra Sign Up, please take care of that tonight preferably yesterday, and then we can finalize the results by Monday on Ultra Sign Up. So we raised a total of $2,700 for the South Mountain Conservancy this year. This is our annual fundraising event for them. They are the nonprofit organization that maintains the trails at the South Mountain Reservation, where we have uh, several events throughout the year. So that brings our four-year total up to $11,700, which is 
a monster number. We're excited about it. We love supporting them and we look forward to doing that each year. So up next is the Squatchy Onesie Fest 5K Marathon on February 6th. Yes, it is a ridiculous name. It's at the Ramapo Valley County Reservation in Mawa, New Jersey. So it is just like the name says, it's the onesie fest. So you're gonna wear your favorite onesie, come out to the trails and you're gonna squatch a 5K marathon. We just always wanted to call race that. So we're calling it a 5K marathon. It's a traditional 5K. So it's probably the wildest race in our series, I would say. Um, so this year, again, it's gonna look a little bit different but we're so glad we don't have to cancel it. We're gonna have waves of 20 runners and hikers at a time just to stick within the New Jersey outdoor gathering limits right now with the current executive order. So we have waves starting at 10 a.m., 11.30 a.m., and then 1 p.m. So there's a couple of spots left for the 10 and 11.30, and then there's about half the spots left for one o'clock. So you can go to ultrasignup.com and register for that. In January, we saw over 50 runners head to the Delaware Water Gap for our newest series, the Run Venture Series. So there's still two weeks left in January. If you haven't hopped on that train yet, you can still get in on the fun. So this series, we're going to a different park each month in New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania. And we are offering various course distances that are ranging from a 5K up to an ultra marathon. So we give you the detailed turn-by-turn -turn description and the GPX file, and then you get out there on your own to complete the race. So in February, we're excited to share that we're heading over to the Wanakue area trail system that's around Ringwood, New Jersey, to hit up some of my personal favorite trails in the state. So these loops are going to include some really cool features. There's a, a castle ruins on one of the loops. There's some historic manors and even the New Jersey Botanical Gardens, which is pretty cool. So the distances for this are going to range again from 5k up to the longest one, which I'm still finalizing the course, but it's going to be about 36 miles, um, rugged, steep, gnarly, probably about 7,000 feet of gain in the, in the 36 miles. So Cole, maybe, I don't know, you going to be up for that one? No. Nope. I'm, I'm on the IR. Still on the IR. <laughs> maybe maybe. A couple, couple months. I we'll might do the onesie thing. The onesie 5k. I might, that, yes. that, that sounds appealing to me. That, that might be on my radar. <laughs> That's more your speed right at the moment. So uh, this, this series is also going to include the really well-known Stonetown Circular Loop. It's about 10 to 11 miles at Northern Green. Again, an gnarly course um, that has, well, depending on your GPS, anywhere from uh, 28 to 3,200 feet of gain on that loop. So again, all that's on Ultra Sign Up. You can learn more about the rest of our events for 2021 on our website, which is sasquadtrailrunning.com. So that about wraps it up for our Squatchy updates. So now let's get to the reason that you are all here. Cole Crosby. <laughs> I won't share too much because I want Cole to have the evening to share his story, but I'll give you a little bit of background. I met Cole this past December when he reached out to me about his big New Jersey FKT attempt. So I encouraged him to get plugged into our Sasquad Facebook group to get the word out about the FKT attempt and to connect with other runners. And I was so encouraged to hear on the phone the other day from Cole that he shared he was able to connect with a bunch of you guys through the Facebook group and even got to share some miles with you during the run. So I'm excited for him to share more about that. Um, the 197 mile run took Cole 44 hours, 
42 minutes and 21 seconds, which the math comes down to a pace of 13 minutes and 36 seconds per mile, which is blistering, <laughs> blistering for a 200 mile race. Um, according to Strava, he burned almost 25,000 calories during the run. And one of the aspects of his run that I love the most is he raised uh, over $4,600 for the Roadrunners Club of America. A um, little bit more background on Cole, and then we'll, we'll jump into our questions. He graduated from SUNY Cortland with a master's in management of recreation and leisure services. Shout out, yep, rec and leisure studies. And uh, he also has a bachelor's in anthropology from the University of Oklahoma, where he ran cross country. And I do want to give a shout out to his sponsors and partners. I got the list here. So it's a long list. We got Red Newt Racing, Mountain Peak Fitness, Nathan, 361 Degrees, Fit Socks, Boom Nutrition, Confluence Running, Janji, and Dion Snowshoes. Did I miss anybody? And Koros, too. Ah, uh, Koros. Koros. I love Listen, I'm a Koros lover too, so I'm sorry, Koros. Um, love you, love you, Dan Shore. Love you, Dan Shore. <laughs> also, so Cole, thank you so much for coming on our Zoom tonight, our Facebook Live. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. Um, you know, when when uh, you'd reach out, or when I'd reach out to you initially, um, you know, this was always a, a hope to be able to to come on and get to share my story and. Uh, I'm happy that it, it ended up with a happy ending and not something in disaster, um, <laughs> though there was definitely a lot of obstacles along the way, which, I mean, for 200 miles, that's going to happen. Um, right. So, yeah, look forward to diving into it. Awesome. Well, why don't we start at the beginning? Where did this idea come about? I know a little bit of the backstory, but I'd love for you to share it with our listeners. Yeah, so... Um, really it was, um, around this time last year, um, I was getting ready for the world snowshoe running championships being held in Japan. Um, that took place, um, February 14 of 2020. Um, so I was in training for that and I was kind of looking, um, looking ahead in terms of my schedule. You know, I had my race schedule planned and I'm like, I'd love to do something, you know, being kind of a New Jersey native, I left, went to school in Oklahoma, lived, moved for grad school in upstate New York and lived in upstate New York for about six years before moving back down to New Jersey. And um, after spending time kind of back in my home state, exploring new areas and, and whatnot, I wanted to kind of take on a personal challenge that um, was going to be kind of, you know, kind of some, something that I could uh, have some New Jersey pride with. Um, and, you know, you go to fkt.com, you see that people are running across states. And that's kind of where I kind of got that, that idea initially and was like, I wonder if anyone's run across New Jersey. So I hit up Google, I did a Google search. I didn't really find much, uh, but I found one thing. I found this documentary called Running the New Jersey 184. I clicked yes. on it, watched it, and the rest was history. I was so inspired, so captivated, you know. Um, uh, it's an incredible story. Please watch a documentary. It's, it's, it's really, well, it's a really incredible work that was done in it. And um, it's a great story. You got Ryan Donnelly, um, Anthony Russo, um, yeah. and Connie Gardner, who Connie Gardner kind of steals the show. Um, you know, I so far, I've, I, I, sorry, I'll spoil it. Um, she's the one that actually finishes the whole, the whole entire run, starting from High Point all the way down to Cape May. She showed up as a pacer and ended up just sticking it out the whole way and 
technically she was the one that had the record more or less before me. So, um, you know, I had watched the documentary and then started to reach out. I reached out to Anthony Russo, I reached out to, to Connie and uh, Maggie Gutero. She kind of got jumped on board and was like, um, she kind of linked me up with Connie because, you know, they're, they're pretty close. And um, that's when this kind of a little idea got thrown in the back of my mind of like, I'm going to do this thing. It's just a right. matter of when, right? Right. And I, at that point, I initially was thinking, well, maybe the fall of 2020. And then, you know, after the snowshoe world snowshoe championships, COVID hits. And it's kind of like, we're trying to figure out what's going on with the racing schedule. And I'm like, well, maybe this, maybe I'll do this sooner than I thought, but, and I kept bouncing around ideas of when I thought I was going to do it in the fall. And then I really just went with what my heart said, which was, you know, this idea was conceived like January 9th, 2020, you should do it around the exact same time. I have flexibility mm-hmm. in my schedule to do it. Um, you know, I'm, I like cold weather. So the cold weather was, was appealing to me. I don't want to do it in hundred degree heat. Um, and then I also thought about, I wanted to go during a time when it wasn't so busy, like, cause you're right. running on, you're running on somewhat busy roads for a right. lot of it. Um, and so I wanted to go at a time where I didn't have, you know, dealing with traffic was not going to be so much of a factor. Um, and yeah, January 9th, 2021, um, turned out to be a pretty good choice. Yeah. How was the weather for, for your 44 or so hours? Um, well, to be completely blunt, when I first started, it was freaking cold. It was like, yeah. four, degree- <laughs> it was like four degrees up there and the wind's blowing. I can't feel my hands. I got mitts on and I'm like, oh my God, like, I just need to go, right? And I had all this nervous energy beforehand. Um, you know, it was really exciting. Um, when I started the GoFundMe, um, you know, there was some, uh, I, I think through the GoFundMe, there was uh, publications that uh, in news media outlets that reached out that wanted to kind of inquire about the story. And when they had published virtually like the day before the run, I, I was um, so taken back by all the excitement around it and didn't really anticipate any of that. And mm. I was a nervous wreck. I mean, I couldn't sleep the night before and, and yeah, I just, I, I got up there and was, I was freezing my butt off and I was like, I just got to go just to stay warm. Right. And off, as soon as I went, it was like, all oh, those, that nervous energy kind of like went away. I'm like, I'm in the zone. And it was the craziest thing. I just started rattling off like 10, 11 minute miles. Like yeah. it was clockwork. Like I had not really done any specific pacing like I had not gone out to do a lot of 10, 11 minute miles, which was my kind of goal pace. Right. I, I didn't do it, but my body was just like, we're in the zone. We're doing this today. Today is the magic day. You're going to get this done. Um, and, and so it happened. Is that like, like it's one of those days where everything kind of clicked. Is that the feeling that you had? In many ways? Yes. Um, it was, I mean, there, there was definitely obstacles that came in a lot of different points and there's other things that I had kind of dealt with, but like, it was like playing chess. I made the right, like when I was getting boxed in, I made the right move at the right time. Mm. And I got to give props to the New Jersey community out there because you guys really like were pivotal, pivotal for helping me at pivotal points. Like if there wasn't someone pacing me at a certain juncture, like mentally I've, I could have been derailed completely and, and who knows. And then I, you know, I had moments where um, I was like, delirious and if um you know there's a gentleman named Kurt 
who's got the awesome trail runner beard. Love the guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, if if he wasn't running with me on the Pine Barrens, I'd still be running around the Pine Barrens like now. Wow. Because like, because I was lose I was so sleep deprived. I was losing my mind. Right. And and Kurt just kept me focused, kept me moving, and I mean, it, it just it allowed for me to kind of um, take the time to like nourish myself and. I got my whereabouts with about 15 miles to go and was like, oh, I thought I was going to be done like five miles ago. I didn't realize I had all this, <laughs> this extra to go. And then, then at that point, I just kind of rode the wave down, you know, down to the finish. But it was just to sum it up. It was an epic run. Um, it was unlike anything that I've ever encountered before in my life. And it was, uh, I mean, we can say a totally badass, like, it was just totally. So cool. <laughs> That's awesome. And I know that you shared that your, your previous longest run before this was 86 miles. So yep. what was your mindset? You know, how'd you feel mentally making the jump from 86 to basically 200? Were you, were you confident, nervous? What, what were you thinking? Um, it's, it's really, it, it, it's, it's a really strange thing for me because I've, I, I came into it very like, I felt like assured. I felt at ease with myself. I felt like yeah. I was ready for this. I felt like almost in a way that like all the running I had done my whole entire life from sixth grade to now, like was all like pr just preparation for being able to push myself mm. to that limit for that type of distance. And I, I came into it thinking, you know what, like distance is just a number. Like you as a human, you can push yourself beyond limits and you could ever imagine. And I, and I had had glimpses of that in a lot of my other races I have done. And I just wanted to show that like, you know, whatever the outside noise and chatter is like, you can break those barriers. Like even the barriers you put on yourself, like, don't, don't do it. Like you mm. can, you can achieve way greater than you could ever imagine. As long as you just put in the work and believe in yourself, like amazing things can happen. So that, that combined with maybe some gummy bears, is that the magic formula? Oh yeah. So people, black forest, I love these gummy bears. So, you know, ultra runners, we love gummy bears. I'm telling you the Haribo ones are good, but these black forests are not only like they're organic, they're good for you more or less, but like, these are like just the most delicious gummy bears ever. So like race directors out there, like, um, you know, ultra runners out there, you see this, try these, please. These are, you can get these in convenience stores. Like and if I get, I would love Black Forest. If you, if you're watching this one day, if I ever got signed to a deal from Black Forest, I'd be the happiest <laughs> man on the planet. Cause I eat these things like you would not believe it. This is like one of my favorite foods. I'm just anyway, going to ask, is this, I'm just going to ask, is it a paid ad? Is this a paid advertisement right now? <laughs> no, not a paid ad at all. That's how much I love Black Forest gummy bears. They're so freaking good. <laughs> My, man, my wife right. probably hates me. She's like, you're going to the dentist again. You keep getting cavities because all you do is eat these <laughs> dumb gummy bears. <laughs> all right. If you're listening to this and you have a connection to Black Forest, you know, we, you got to give Cole the hookup here. So we'll give him uh, your number and uh, we'll make the connection. So <laughs> we got to get this man a gummy sponsor. <laughs> so personally, I love to hear all about the logistics and the planning that goes into this. So I would love for you to chat about your crew. I know your wife was your number yeah. one and um, talk to us about like the planning that went involved and, and, and what it was like for your wife, who was 
screwing you for the whole time. Yeah. So it's like for this whole run, like in many ways, the stars align, like the timing of things, like the the people that reached out to help out and like it, everything just like fell into place. And I look back on it and I'm like, it would have been such a different thing if it was just how I thought about it originally. It was like maybe a few people were going to come out, like like three people. My wife was like my our master, my master crew chief. Like she was the logistics mastermind. She was the one mm. primarily driving the support vehicle. You know, she hardly slept at all. She slept maybe like an hour or two the whole, the wow. whole 44 hours. Um, you know, she was also doing handling social media and like, yeah. um, you know, we used Strava Beacon and Strava Beacon at one point um, stopped working and it was this right. whole like, and she was dropping pins for people and it was just right. like, totally like the New Jersey Forrest Gump thing like what's going on <laughs> my god what happened you know and she took all of that on herself um and I mean without her like this thing definitely would not have happened and would not have um you know for me it wouldn't wouldn't have been uh, as enjoyable of experiences as it was right. um so I mean she took on so much um so I mean I can't thank her enough and you know, my dad was there to help support. I mean, he's, he's been a crew member for a long time. Um, and he's just a goofy, funny guy. Um, and just his jokes and just, you know, uh, him just being there, like he, I mean, he helped out a lot. Like there's sections where, um, there was not a shoulder to the road kind of near Hillsboro. Yeah. And he, he was behind me with flashers and stuff and whatnot. So that cars weren't going to come right, run, run, you know, running right by me. I could stay on the road and that was really crucial because at that point I was getting a little bit, um, you know, a little bit low in the calorie right. level. Um, and I just was, I didn't want to concentrate on having to like maneuver on and off the road a bunch. And, uh, you know, little things like that were just pivotal. Um, and that was the, I mean, really the story of 200 miles was little things would come up and we would catch it right away like something like that, like my dad suggested doing that. And it was, that was a huge move that really helped. Mm. Um, you know, probably one of the first big crazy things was um, also near Hillsborough. I got to run with Ryan Thorpe. Props. Shout out Ryan. <laughs> thank you, man. We had so much fun talking. It was, it was a blast. Um, he also took great photos. So thank you. And uh, <laughs> we were running, we're chatting. It's just like, you know, time's going by, like, like no one's business. I'm just loving life. And after, um, after he decides to go back and I'm going into from Branchburg into kind of Hillsboro and into Montgomery area and that kind of stuff. Um, I start to notice that like, I look down at my leg, my right leg, and it's like swollen, like a beach ball. And I'm like, Oh, what's going on. And I'm feeling lightheaded a little bit. And I'm like, this is strange. Like it just came on suddenly. Well, it turns out that, um, the way my running tights were at the very bottom, like the, the cuff. Yeah, pushing up against my compression calf sleeve that had bunched up and oh. it was putting off circulation to my foot. Oh, so boy. I don't, so I don't know how long that was going on for, but it was probably, it could have been like maybe six miles, maybe at least. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, took that moment to like un unzipper the, unzipper the tights and then adjust the calf sleeve. And it was the craziest thing, just feeling the rush of blood come through. And, um, oh and, and it was kind of like, Oh, and this swelling started to go down a little bit. And then I'm like, I remember telling my dad from the side of the car and I'm like, that could have been the end of my race. Like that could have been, yeah. I could have been done. And, right. and I was fine after that. Like my leg felt fine and I just kept going. And that was kind of the, again, that's just one example of like all these little things that would pop up and it was like, 
oh, we just noticed it, like made, made the correction and we were, we were right. back in business. That's awesome. So, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of a lot of the logistics part of it was, um, I mean, we had kind of a course laid out. Um, the thing that was hard was that, um, you know, part of me in doing this, I wanted to actually like create the fastest line point to point. That's why mm. the name, the New Jersey point to point came about was, right. um, there's been others that have run all of like all of New Jersey, like from the boundaries, boundary stones down to K May. Um, and also like in the documentary, they run a different, different route than I do. They go out okay. to Fleming, Flemington and cut over and that those, those routes are, aren't so direct. So I wanted to create, I wanted to model off of that documentary and create the most direct route possible, the fastest line and point from point A to point B. Um, and so not having that, like that's why we drove the course to kind of recon. We noticed there, there's things, roads that were closed and whatnot. And I had a gentleman, John Beck, who reached out, who is yeah, um, John Beck. in the Born, Borntown area. Uh-huh. His, his running group, I always got, I always forget their their name, but I got the picture here. The Uptown Gentle Friends. Props to them. They <laughs> they they brought out the stops. They were incredible. They had like That's a awesome. whole free a whole like aid station caravan set up for me. So that was <laughs> that was clutch. Um, you know, and the Pineland uh, Pineland Striders were also really big for me too. Those were awesome. those those two groups were like they came out in full force, which was awesome. Um, That's so great. So. Can I pause so yeah, you this, here for one second? Yeah. Go ahead. So a question. This just because the question is timely. Um, and you started to answer it, but uh, Robert Ivan wants to know, um, how long did it take you to map out the route? And did you start with Google Maps? Because he saw you drove it mm -hmm. beforehand to, sc to mm -hmm. scope it out. So did you use Google Maps? Is that, or do you use yeah. the Strava route so, builder? No, so, I mean, I looked at the, so you can use the route builder on Strava. The only thing is it's very time consuming to map it the right way. Like it would have probably taken me a whole day, like 10 hours at least to yeah. get it just right. Um, the other thing with this course is that um, I wanted to do it all. My inspiration was that documentary and I wanted, and right. how, how Anthony Russo and his whole crew and how they did it was off of Google maps okay. with the walking directions. Yeah. And so I wanted to kind of do the same thing. Like, yeah, I, I thought that was kind of a fun part about it and exploring that. Um, so I did, we did kind of drive and use Strava to map out like a driving route more or less because there's okay. there's sections of trail that a car can't go on of course um and so that helped I did that more for our crew vehicle so that we had reference points to follow um and uh yeah I pretty much used Google Maps the whole time like I okay. had my phone with me um I had the Strava beacon beacon on and I also had the turn by turn directions um of the route the whole time Wow. Okay. So no, mis no mistakes, or at least trying to avoid errors. Did you have any spots where you missed a turn or got turned around or were you pretty much with that strategy? You were good. There was only, um, there's maybe like two spots. So one spot was, um, off the Sussex trail, kind of, as you go past Newton, um, it said like the turn right off the trail. I'm like up on this overpass and okay. I look down the, I start to run down the trail and I look and I'm like, I'm still up on this ridge. Like, how long does this go? I'm supposed to go down below. My wife's down below and I'm yelling at her. And I'm like, um, I'm just going to bushwhack because oh <laughs> I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to spend 35 minutes trying to figure out like where this trail, where it ends right here. Cause it's telling me to get off the trail. So right. I just bushwhack down the ridge. Um, and then 
you know, connected right into the root. So that was one part. There was another part in the Pine Barrens that I knew was a little bit risque because it kind of like um, runs through not, not necessarily private property, but it like cuts through like weird, like dirt road kind of stuff. That's like, it's, it's, it's a road, but it's like, I don't think any cars, like maybe ATVers go through there. Okay. Um, and um, it was just too hard logistically to like follow that route, even though it was more direct. So I had to um, go a little bit longer, maybe like a mile longer and turn right onto one of the main roads. And it still connects you back to where, where the route would eventually go. But I just felt like that was safer. Um, and also because of cell surface and that stuff, like if anything would happen, like I didn't want to chance it. So we, right. we made, made that whole detour. So how much, if you had to split it into percentages of the route was trail versus road, could you put a number on it? 90, probably like 90 to 92% road. And okay. then the rest was trail and the trail let's, let's, say anything that's not asphalt right like blacktop right. so like because there are sections like in Bedminster where you're running on these beautiful gravel roads like surrounded by mansions and horse farms which is like mm. what probably my favorite part of the whole the whole entire thing um and then when you're running through a lot of the pine barrens it's like this like sandy dirt kind yeah. of like paths and whatnot um so there's a lot of that and there are some different like rail trail kind of things that you hop onto the Sussex trail um which was actually really hard because it was um there was a lot of thawing that had happened and then oh, it froze yeah. over and so right. I, I really had to like tiptoe through there because it was like water underneath me solid solid ice it was like dark it was slippery like I'm wearing road shoes like it was yeah it was it was more challenging than I thought like I looked at the trail and was like oh this will be easy this isn't anything and that section was actually more challenging than I thought Okay. So it sounds like you, you talked about your favorite part, your favorite trail or section of the run. What was your Bedminster. least favorite? Yeah, Bedminster. Oh my God. <laughs> Do you so have a least favorite part? Ooh, least favorite, least favorite. Um, I love the Pine Barrens, but that section was just like, it just, it beats you up so much. Like it was, <laughs> I mean, it's, you're virtually like 150, 160 miles in and you, you just mm -hmm. feel like you're going uphill forever. Like you're just, it's just like nonstop uphill. It was like, turn right in 3.5 miles, turn right. Well, that whole 3.5 miles, I'm just going uphill. <laughs> and my wife has a video of me somewhere. Where I was just like, this is the Pine Barrens. It's supposed to be flat. What am I doing? <laughs> Running up a mountain? Like there, there's mountains in the Pine Barrens? Like, what are you, what are you talking about? What is this? <laughs> um, and it's funny because driving the route, like I didn't like, I didn't put two and two together. I was like, yeah, it's not that bad. And then I started right. running it and I'm like, oh my God, this is like, like I'm used to running hills, but I'm like, just give my muscles a break. I need something different. Um, so that was one of my woes in, in, in that, but you know, I mean, I think every section was, um, to each its own. It had, had, right. had value. You know, I could also probably say 206 in the night over the nighttime, mm -hmm. um, was from a mental standpoint, was by far the the hardest because mm -hmm. I was 24 hours in, I hardly had any sleep. Um, I took a nap around three in the morning. It's cold. It's windy. I'm getting, getting my face is getting chapped and stuff. Uh, my body's tightening up. I'm, I decided to whip out trekking poles. There's videos of me like just trekking pole along. I'm right. not, I'm almost, I'm almost falling asleep. Like it was, in I think in terms of like the whole culmination of like of hardship and struggle, that was probably the hardest 
and probably one of the biggest testing points in the whole run. Right. Um, but coming into it, I knew, I knew that that part was going to really challenge me. So I was kind of ready for it. That's awesome. So um, let's talk real quick about gear and then we'll get into a little bit more deeper questions. So walk us through your gear. Um, we could go head to foot, you know, what'd you use for illumination down to what were you, you know, what'd you have on your feet? Yeah. I mean, um, running New Jersey, definitely there's a disclaimer, like you gotta be careful. There's, um, it, it, it can be dangerous. Um, I, I was lucky. I think I chose, um, chose a time of year where it wasn't too bad. Um, but you're running a lot in, in darkness and, um, you know, props to Nathan, you know, I was an employee of the company. It's a great, great company, great product, you know, their, their safety gear, their, the, the headlamps, the reflective strobe lights and all that stuff. Um, I mean, it made a huge difference. Um, that definitely allowed for me to be safe and I didn't have to worry about, about that too much. I knew that, um, how cars were reacting when they would kind of see me was mm -hmm. positive and definitely all the, all the, um, people that were out there pacing me, they, they were also handlers, you know, like they were, right. I'm not saying they're risking their lives for me, but they were, um, doing what was necessary to, to make sure that I was safe. Um, right. and that that's much appreciated, you know, like that, that allowed me to get to the finish line. So thank you. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was one, um, you know, I had this mountain hardware jacket that I was wearing that, one of the, the challenges in, in doing this in the wintertime is thermoregulation. Like mm. you got to put in the calories to make sure your body's at an optimal temperature. And I chose to wear in the night, nighttime sections, a heavier kind of jacket that was lightweight, but had the insulation and it worked like a charm. I mean, like I was yeah. never like sweating heavy or anything like that. Like I, I kept a good, good temperature and, um, you know, if I was able to do that, that meant that the calories I was putting in my body was not going into trying to keep me warm, but was fueling my body, fueling my right. forward progression. So uh, I made that a point, you know, I mean, all the sponsors you listed, you know, I wore John G joggers towards the finish. Uh, those things were super comfortable. They were great. You know, John G makes great apparel, social, their social business. So they help fund clean water projects, which is awesome. awesome. You know, I've worked with fit socks. Um, I've never gotten a real blister in a race um, until this this race wearing fit socks. I will say that I didn't even notice I had blisters until I was getting worked on in Bordentown. Okay. Um, and the, you know, I got I got patched up. Like um, it was. I mean, again, that whole crew was incredible. Like, I mean, they it was like a NASCAR pit stop. Like they they changed <laughs> my tires and got me like all the oil change and everything. Right. Right. And off I went and those blisters, like my feet, like, I think after running 200 miles, they looked pretty damn good. Like they, awesome. I mean, I, I, I can't say anything bad. Like they didn't bother me. And, and usually in a long race, they probably would and, and could, you know? Right. Um, so that was, that was huge. Um, you know, in terms of shoes, you know, I wore my 361, um, there's two shoes, Aspire, which is a really high cushion shoe. It's got a lot of bounce and protection. I wore that for my Delaware canal FKT. Um, I mean, the thing is, it's just a, I, I focus on protection or the first half of the run. And then I switched to my favorite shoe called the phantom, which is a very snappy poppy shoe. It's got a lot of spring and kind of, it's more responsive. And, um, that really helped because on tired legs, I needed something that was going to kind of like energize myself. Right. Um, 
And also from a mental standpoint, it really like helped me switch gears. It was like, all right, these are my racing shoes. Like I'm ready to go. Right. Um, So yeah, you know, and then um, I just ate a lot of good food. Um, Dr. Pepper, Black Forest gummy bears. I had someone went to New York city pretty much to give me Cinnabon cinnamon rolls. Like that's the thing. That's the thing (laughs) with New Jersey. You guys are amazing. Like the generosity for this run was incredible. Like people were like finding like, finding my wife in our Honda CRV and they were dropping off food and be like, Hey, it's Cole, awesome. Cole's on his way right here. I, I, I bought him some gummy bears. I bought him some olives. I, like, it was like the coolest thing. And my wife would just come by and she, you know, when I would see her in the next checkpoint, she'd be like, Hey, so, so-and-so dropped off like this and this and this. And I'm like, I'm like, what? I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> this is so, so like surreal. This is so cool. Like, um, so yeah, thank you everybody again. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, New Jersey sometimes gets knocked on for um, a lot of things, but you're hearing it now from Cole and we've got diversity and beauty with, you know, North to South and then the hospitality. So the dirt, the dirty jerseys isn't all that bad. Yeah. I want to add to you like, so like the course itself, like it's, it's an incredible course. Like it's so diverse. It it shows Mm. so much in New Jersey and in ways that I don't think you would ever really get to experience. It's yeah. got it all. It's got, it's got sections where yes, there are, is some traffic and it's a little bit di- dicey and hairy, which is a part of New Jersey. Like you're going to, if you run in New Jersey, you got cars, like you got to right. deal with it. Um, but it, there's like so many beautiful natural areas. Like the Pine Barren section was incredible. And like getting, getting close to the Cape May, like, you know, you're in the, get, you're in the beach towns and it was just, that was so cool with the Christmas lights. And mm. you got, you got the sections in Bedminster, which is like um, horse farms that you wouldn't like, unless you live out there, you would never know that stuff even existed. And, um, you know, you got the big, big winding farm roads up by the Appalachian Ridge, kind of to start Mm -hmm. the whole runoff and everything. You got the beautiful night sky with the stars. And I mean, it, it, it really, it, I think does an incredible job of really highlighting New Jersey, um, case in point, um, in all of its wonder and all of its, uh, uh, struggles. Um, but that's, that's the beauty of it. Um, it really is, it really is, um, you know, the perfect route, I think. That's awesome. I, th- I, I mean, I, it sounds like the state of New Jersey needs to get you as a spokesperson with the travel bureau, I think. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I'll, Colin, I'll pick up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I've got a couple of questions going to dig a little deeper. What, um, what would you say, like, if you had to say it in words, what motivates you? You know, I mean, 197 miles, it's not a 5k that's going to take, you know, 30 minutes or less. What, what's at the heart of your motivation? You know, what gets you out there? What kept you going over the course of those 40 plus hours? Yeah. Um, so I think part of it is kind of, I, I like to think it's, it's becoming, it, it, it is my MO. It's becoming my MO. It's, um, you know, I have a website that I kind of created. It was a running blog originally. Uh, which still has a blog, but cresting the summit, like I came up with, I, I, to thought ask that, you about that. Yeah. I thought about that term. And the reason being was um, when I first got into trail and ultra running and I st- wanted to be a mountain runner initially, that was my very first foray into trail running. I'm like, I'm going to run up Mount Washington and set records and uh, learned that that was way harder than what meets the eye. And mm-hmm. uh, it humbled me. But anyway, um, cresting the summit is really just about um, putting in the work, like, like, running uphill, running up a mountain is not easy. Uh, but there's no better feeling than that moment when you start to come up over the crest and start to see like the sunrise and you're almost at that mountain peak. And it's kind of 
this metaphor for for achieving goals right mm. the goal isn't to get to the top of the mountain and the journey is is the grinding of going up that mountain and um the the, the hardship and the experiences that you 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 go through and it's really what you encounter like it's worth it because that view that you get and that level of satisfaction and achievement of saying like that was hard and i did this like I mean, I think for every trail and ultra runner out there, mountain runner, like you, I, I think that strikes a chord. It's like, sure. that, that's why we love to do what we do is because um, you can't get that same type of experience. I think running uh, a ton on roads and that kind of stuff, when mm-hmm. you get to go off the trails and be in nature, it's like, um, it's a, a much grander experience. Um, so that was kind of my, um, you know, my, my motivation is I've, I've, you know, I've always been, um, I've been good, but I haven't been good enough. Um, mm. And that's been a story of my whole life. I wasn't an all-state runner. Um, I wasn't, I never became an All-American. It was just even lucky I was on a, on a college team. Um, you know, every, I've, I've done well in USATF events. I've come really close. I've placed second, but I've never mm. been in that number one slot. And I've always been hungry to get there. And I've always, I've, I've put in a lot of work and a lot of time, a lot of sacrifices, both myself and my family. And um, I, I just wanted to push myself and prove to myself that I could do something great and something that was like scary, but also something that felt eerily comfortable. Um, mm. And that's really what this run was. It was, um, I, you know, when I made a post saying the turning point for me, I feel like this was a turning point in my running, in my uh, frame of mind of how I approach things. And what it's done is it's really opened my eyes to, um, to really not just how great this sport is, but like, I think more of what my path could be, you know, I, I, I've always wanted to be a positive person. I want to inspire people. I want to show that being a blue collar runner is awesome. Like, we have a chip on our shoulder and guess what? That's great. Like that is our MO. Right. Like, that's okay. Like we don't have to be an all American to find success. Like, um, you know, you put in the time, you, you, you hone your craft, like you can achieve great things. Mm. And I, I, I hope that I can be some small figment of proof of that. Um, that's what I'm striving for. And, you know, ultimately I would just want to be able to help try to lift people up together, you know, whatever your goals are, like, feel free after this, like reach out to me. Like, I want to hear your stories. Like that's what running is all about is this, the, the story. Right. Mm. Um, and I think this run of New Jersey, like it was, it's an, it was an epic saga and the story is not finished yet, but it was just the, everything about it was just so captivating and so mm. moving and, and inspirational for me for, from just everybody, like what I got to experience. Like I felt right. like it was, it was an honor for me just to take part in this with other people that mm-hmm. were strangers that be, became like friends. Like it, it just, that human element was, is probably one of the greatest gifts that I've ever been given. Mm-hmm. Um, so from, from a real pure heart to heart point, I mean, um, you know, I think when people say that running can be transformational, um, I know it's, it has been in my life and, um, you know, I hope it has, has been in yours and, um, yeah, let's just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Right. I love it. When is your book coming out? Um, I still haven't done a blog post for the whole New Jersey run yet. Yeah. Um, 
we're going to get into it. What I might look to have is maybe anyone that like helped pace me if they want to maybe contribute some excerpts to it, because this story isn't just my story. This is, this is a group story. It really is. Um, and that's what it needs to be. Like, sure. I ran across the whole state of New Jersey, but, um, I mean, without that support, it, it, would have been super hard who knows I don't know if I would have been able to do it mm. um and so maybe eventually you know Dean Carnassus gave me a call we can you know maybe you can give me some advice on like how to write books right. I mean <laughs> honestly I'm really wor- wordy as you can tell so like I, I might need him to help me like get to the point you know right it is great stuff Cole I, I love it that's I mean you fit right in at Sasquad because that's what you know we focus on the community building, the people, you know, it's more important than who finished first, second, and third in the events. Um, so I'm sure a lot of people are probably asking you this. We got to chat a little bit about it the other day, but what, you know, what's next? You know, it sounds like there was a, a before the 197 coal and an after 197 coal. So what are you looking forward to? What's, what's, what's the next step for coal? No limits. That's the, that's the phrase, right? Um, So does it mean that I'm going to run like around the whole entire planet or the, or the moon or something? Maybe not yet. That might take, take some more years of uh, honing my craft to get to that level. Um, And really, I think, um, you know, I, I chose this lofty goal of trying to push myself to a pretty extreme distance because I have goals. Like I want to run, I really want to compete and do really well at the Spartathlon. That race has really captivated me. You know, I've, I, I, I like, I do like road ultra marathons. I've done a lot of those kinds of things. Spartathlon is just kind of a gritty type of event. Mm. And I, I like that part of it. And, um, you know, there, there hasn't been a lot of like, you haven't heard like big, great stories of like Americans just dominating at Spartathlon and, um, at least in, at least in recent years. And, um, I'd really, you know, want to lift up some other athletes and bring a, bring a, like a a wrecking, wrecking ball kind of crew to like just sweep the podium or something. Like, I think, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. And I think that distance is something that will be something that could be my wheelhouse. Um, so that's, that's something that's definitely on my radar. You know, I'd like to like to run bad water. Um, I think that I'd like to do some desert races, multi-stage events first, before I commit to something like bad water, just so that mm. I'm comfortable pushing in really extreme heat. Um, but that's, that would be on the radar. I mean, ultimately what I, what I learned from this is that distance is just a number mm. and that if you're, if you're willing, willing to push yourself to limits you've never imagined, you can, you can go, your, your body will go as, as much as you want to go. Mm. If it gives out, then finally it gives out and you've, you've gone as far as you can go that's what I learned in this whole run was like my body, like, even if I was going slower, like it was still going, like, I'm like, okay, if I'm still maintaining 15 minutes a mile, like I'm going to get to the finish line eventually. Um, and so, you know, I'd like to, obviously I'd like to run Western States one day, but for me, I think my calling is I want to push myself in some of the most extreme environments in the world. Um, I want to do Arctic events. I want to, maybe do the Iditarod trail, you know, it's like a 300 plus mile run. I mean, I want to, I like the cold. I think that there, there hasn't been athletes yet that have 
taken kind of that foot speed element, the endurance and the mental grit side of things and really push the envelope in these types of events. The mm-hmm. other thing is that these events are going to change with the climate change and all the other stuff going on. Right. But it's like, these are some, these are some incredible events and some of the most beautiful, harshest, but most pristine environments in the world. And I want to be an advocate for those environments. And I want to experience them and be able to tell, tell a great story to others about these mm. places and what I experienced there. Um, and maybe that catches on for others to, to go and experience. Um, so yeah, you know, I think anything from hundred miles to 150 miles, I think, um, it sounds pretty good for right now. And then, um, I'd like to do some of these events where it's 300 mile, but you're, you know, you're hauling a sled with you and you're kind of like an Arctic survivalist. Like, I think that stuff is just totally captivating and just crazy, but cool at the same time. So that's going to be me. Hopefully I can run the four deserts that that was something that was a huge inspiration for me when I got into trail Mm. running in uh, 2012. Um, you know, I, I want to run with a backpack and run in the Sahara and run in the uh, uh, Atacama Desert in Chile, running the Gobi Desert, run in Antarctica. I want to do that kind of stuff. So, that's awesome. What does uh, what does Ashley think? Is she on? Is she on board for crew for all these events? Um, we'll have to we'll have to when they become more of like when I've committed and signed up, we'll have to figure out how we do it. But she's she's always been the best support system she'll she'll support me through through anything she knows she'll be like he's crazy but I love him and I know that he's always gonna um you know I'm not gonna try to put myself in a life-altering situation right uh, where where it's you know if if something's life or death I'm gonna humbly pull the plug and say I'll live to fight another day so I, I think with some of those events I think she respects my judgment and everything and all that mm-hmm. That's awesome. I know you've already, you've given her really great credit and shout out, but again, I was just so blown away with how on top of the social media Ashley was, because I was following along. And like you said, when the Strava cut out, she was still providing updates. And I've said it before on this um, Zoom and the podcast, I think crewing is like the most selfless thing that you can do on this earth. 100 percent. 100 yeah it's i mean it's unbelievable and i i've done both and i i think hands down crewing is way harder than the running so great job ashley and to your dad as well everybody else who helped you it, it does take an army to um, make stuff like this happen yeah so, um we've got about 10 minutes left so i do want to tell you guys who are watching and listening start typing in your questions on the chat. I did see a couple pop up, so I'm gonna scroll back to read them to you, Cole. Um, There was one specific question about a point on your route. Okay, this was from Scott Catton, Catton. How did your route handle crossing over the Raritan River near the Parkway Bridge at exit 123, if you can remember? Oh man, I, um, I honestly, I don't remember that. Sorry. I, I, apparently we were able to find a way to get over it, I guess. I don't know. He made it over, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean like the, I, what I can say is the diciest section was like going over the overpass by Quaker bridge mall, which is like, I virtually grew up like five miles away from Quaker bridge mall. And we reconned the course. I was like, 
why why does it have to be here like I right. knew this is like I knew this was going to be dicey and the worst part was is I showed up during rush hour and I knew based on my pacing that that was going to happen it's going to be dark and luckily we did a good job of like um, Anthony Russo was with me on that so he really helped out and um, you know um, my wife Ashley and my dad were able to like kind of get into some side lanes with flashers to kind of help yeah. us but I mean do it with extreme discretion because that was probably the, the hairiest part of the whole thing but um, the rest of it honestly I, I didn't really feel like it was that that crazy or difficult or dangerous or anything like that um, awesome. you know the route that we took into Cape May for example we t- I took um, on Seashore Avenue which is like we, I took the more in, inland uh, choice rather than taking the main beach section um, and that was uh, I think a really wise choice because it was yeah. there was like no cars out there I had I did have thanks to um, um, Harry and, and Mike at KMA Running Company like they had a whole police escort for me for like 15 miles pretty much and leading into Amazing. KMA and at KMA yeah. so like that helped but it was also a, a smart route, route choice because it was not um, you know it was not dangerous or anything like that awesome all right, here's a question from James Borden. Strava splits showed that you ran a couple of seven-minute seven miles around <laughs> around like mile 158. Is that right? Did you just casually throw in some seven-minute pacings in the run? I'm so glad that you you called on that. So, um, okay, so this is that that was the moment where my delirium or or where I started having symptoms of being delirious, pretty much like took took hold. I was virtually delirious for like two or three hours. And, um, you know, being sleep deprived, I'd only slept maybe like an hour and 20 minutes the whole entire time. Um, and, uh, and also being low in, low in calories, I had taken too much salt as well. So I was dealing with a little bit of hypernatremia. So I was kind of combating that at the same time of dealing with my fuel sources and stuff. Um, and I also chugged an energy drink right before that stretch. Okay. And I, um, I don't know. I just some, some switch like clicked in my mind and I just started running seven minute miles. It was downhill. So it felt fast and I just started doing it. And I just was like, I, in my mind, I started to play out the scenario that I was, I, we had, cause Kurt like knew the whole area and I thought he found a shortcut or something. Cause I didn't really okay. remember the section. And I virtually thought that I was only like 10 miles away from the finish. So I was like, this is like going to be the perfect story. I'm going to finish before it gets dark. Like that was my like ultimate goal. And I'm like, right. what is happening? And uh, lo and behold, um, of course, I, after a couple hours, I really come to and I realized that that was all just a, like a, a figment of my imagination and <laughs> that I still had a long way to go. And at that point I was like, oh crap, I gotta, I gotta like, uh, I gotta sort out my goods here and I gotta like make right. sure I bring it, bring it home. Um, so yeah, I did, I did split some seven minute miles. They felt like I was running much faster. Um, to be honest, I didn't look at my watch or anything. I was just like in the zone and mm. Kurt was running with me as fast as, uh, you know, he's keeping pace with me and he's wearing like speed cross shoes. And I was like, so impressed that this guy's running like seven, six, seven minute mile pace in gnarly burly trail shoes. Right. And <laughs> it, thanks to him, like I, I, uh, you know, he helped pull me through, but yeah, I did, I did split those and, um, looking back on it, it wasn't, it wasn't a smart decision, but, um, it was a, it was a motivating mo- uh, moment for me. Cause it showed that like I could switch that gear in my mind if I needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, this run I'm wearing my like, like kind of wild spirit animal quarter zip. I mean, I, I one thing I want to talk about quick is that I felt like there's been remnants of this, like almost like spiritual, like primal, like instinctual survival um, quality inside of me. I've had mm -hmm. it in different races where I've gone out too fast and I've just somehow held on or some, I felt like I was going to get injured and I just somehow pulled it together. And um, Hellgate was a big, I ran that last year and that was a big eye opener mm. fighting off hyperthermia and ice and freezing rain and all this crazy stuff. And, um, you know, I just focused on being a survivalist. Like I, no matter what I was going to survive, whatever the circumstances were. And that's how this run was. That was my mentality. Um, and I mean, that's why I was running seven minute miles because I felt like no, no matter what, like, like I, I was, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do what I like to do. I love to run and whatever pace that was, that's what I was going to do. <laughs> that's awesome. All right. So there you have it, James. It is true. There was the seven minute miles in there. Uh, we've got a question from Kaylin Hopkins. Kaylin has the FKT for the out and back of the New Jersey Appalachian trail. She was on our, yeah. she was on our zoom a few weeks ago. Um, so she, Kaylin's question She's the one that worked on my feet and she's awesome. She was like a super crazy, huge rock star. So I'm, she I'm is a rock star. <laughs> I'm glad that she's, I'm glad that she's watching. Cause she was, she was super pivotal. So props. Awesome. Kaylin's Kaylin's the best. Um, this is her question. What were the first 24 to 48 hours like after your run from a physical and mental perspective in hindsight, would you have changed anything about your training? So we got two questions in there. Yeah, I probably would have um, practiced more sleep deprivation running, I guess. Like that, um, I ne had never been more exhausted before in my life. Mm. I mean, virtually the, the scenario is we stayed in Cape May. We finished, we, we uh, got a really nice kind of like um, bed and breakfast hotel room. Um, me and my wife are like hobbling, like we're both, ha you know, falling asleep pretty much. Like we're delirious, like we're trying to figure out how to get in there. Um, I did my first thing I did was take a nice shower, but I could hardly even stay awake. Like wow. she was virtually holding me up in the shower while I'm like, I'm just about to nod off. Oh my goodness. I mean, honestly, as soon as my head hit the pillow, like I was out like mm. completely. And that just goes to show like the, what this type of distance and this type of like running can do to you. Like mm. it can really mess with you. Um, like I, you know, you hear all these stories like Courtney, Courtney Dewalter talking about hallucinations and stuff. Like I didn't right. hallucinate, but that stuff is real. It is real people. Yeah. And it attacks you at the most inopportune times. Like it sneaks up on you. And I think if I had more preparation and, and understanding how my body might handle that, it would maybe be easier to cope with. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, afterwards, I mean, I was, in, I was a wreck. I mean, I reverted to being a toddler. I mean, virtually all I could do was <laughs> eat, sleep, and poop. Right. That was it. And, and I took Epsom salt baths. And um, I did that virtually for a whole entire week. Like, mm. I, I mean, I could hardly even make sense of anything. Like, someone would call me. I'm like, hey, what's going on? I don't know what's going on. Where am I? I mean, I've never been more wrecked from, from a run before in my life. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's really just this week where I'm starting to feel like I have my energy back. Um, right. So, but yeah, I mean, it, it felt like I got hit by a Mack truck. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I was going to ask you about the hallucin- the hallucinations. I was curious about that, but you said you didn't have any over the course of the run. No, I didn't have any, but that that's where I was delirious though. So I thought right. that everyone was take like I thought Kurt was leading me the wrong way. I thought my family like Ashley was like you're reaching your, you surpassed your fundraising goal and, all, and I listened to like little things they were saying and I was like um, changing it in my mind. Mm. Like it was like the funniest thing and but I you know I'm glad that I wasn't like mean or anything but I was just like guys I'm like double taking I'm like no I've been here before this is like deja vu the course goes over there and then, and then Kurt's like no it goes there follow me follow you've been following me and I'm like I look at him like he's like he's got three heads and I'm like you know I've been following you for a while okay yeah, yeah you're right I'm, I'm gonna follow you I'm gonna follow you um it was the strangest thing and then once I kind of came to it was like coming off of this like high and I was like oh I'm so sorry everybody like I really thought that I was going to be done in like five or ten miles but I still got like 20 more miles to go whoops (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah crazy experience that was crazy it's so hard to describe it because my mind was in such a fog right um I mean I was I was there but I wasn't there so right yeah all right, this is a comment from Anthony Parga. He says, Cole, can I be your pacer for the next one? I make sure we put money in the bank. Yeah, money in the <laughs> bank. Yeah, so that's like, that was my phrase. Like, uh, anytime that you're able to put it, you know, run a split that was faster than my original goal mm. split, I would, I was like looking, I'm like, all right, like money in the bank. We're, we're, we're cashing the checks, right? Like, <laughs> You're, you're, you're putting, giving yourself a little bit of a buffer. Right. Um, and I knew in this run that I wanted to be close to that goal pace. And if I'm running 10 to 11 minute miles, which just, that's how things kind of happen for the most part. Like I was like, well, it's still, my goal was like 12 and a half. So if I'm um, 11 and a half, well, that's a minute faster. So that's money in the bank. Right. Um, right. So yeah, that was, that was good, good influence. I, I with, with the Borden town, the whole Borden talker, I, we, they, they got to figure out my lingo. We go cha-ching. <laughs> like every time we had a good mile split, it was fun. That was a great crew. That's awesome. Um, I thought of a couple more questions. I'm going to throw these in. These are kind of quick ones. Um, you said you had almost like a 25,000 calorie deficit. What's that look like to replenish after um, the race? What was the first thing you ate after the race? the run um oh man remember. Uh, drank, drank some water i had some of this um uh the pasta from um oh i'm sorry mike and and harry lovely bones or something like that um honestly i was like falling asleep so it was i was just just stuffing some calories in um the next morning um we went to get coffee went to this really cool coffee place in Cape may and got a smoothie and it was amazing like virtually I got a large like it was like a 34 ounce smoothie and I just drank it all down <laughs> in like a minute it was like gone and uh yeah I just after that I was just eating anything mm. like you know I, I will say from the the whole extent of this run I you know I suffered a slight muscle tear behind my leg and who knows the part of the story could be that I'm, I might have suffered it during the run like 140 miles in and I ran with it right. for you know, the rest of the distance. I don't know. Um, the good thing is that I'm on the mend and it's getting better each and every day. And my swelling is, is down and all that stuff. So I'll be back to normal and full health, hopefully pretty soon. Um, 
but uh yeah i mean 25,000 calories i mean i lost like 4 to 5 pounds and i'm wow. a pretty lightweight pretty lightweight guy so Great. it was pretty noticeable um and my body definitely was not used to that um and mind you i was eating 3 400 calories an hour yeah wow so i mean That's i was a lot on of a calories. 15, i was virtually on a 15,000 calorie deficit from this run um, and so, you know, I, I had experimented a little bit with like doing some like fast runs and like fat ad- adaptation kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And for fuel, I ate a ton of avocados. Like, honestly, if I could pick one food and just like make all my food that I think avocado was going to be the magic ticket. That's awesome. I craved, I craved like fatty, savory foods. Like you would not believe it. And they, they went down incredibly well. And it makes sense for this kind of longer run. I think your body really demands the fat stores. So um, you know, for those that want to do that kind of distance, like, um, you know, maybe experiment with foods that are high in fat that are easy, easily digestible. I'm telling you avocados are like, they're the way to go. And I would start there and see, see if you notice any, any benefits or differences. Again, I'm still experimenting with it myself. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see, see if it really does keep playing out as being a good, good, good choice. All right, so we got to get you the the gummy bear sponsorship and the avocado sponsorship. It sounds like both of those guys. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, I've got one final question for you. I think that is all we've got in the chat. So my final question is it's two part. So what advice would you give to brand new trail runners who are listening to this and they're hearing you talk about running? 197 miles what would you say to them and then what would you say to runners who are listening to this and there's the gears are starting to turn and they're like i want to i think i want to try a big hairy scary goal like this what would you say to those two uh those two groups of people yeah i mean um i think again i think distance is like distance is it's just a number so i don't let that intimidate you saying well i've only run a marathon 50 miles is double that it's too far it's not too far you can do it like if you're smart like it's all about the preparation right it's about being um the way i look at it is honing your craft being a scholar do the research you know there's the internet is great for resources in terms of training tips and training plans and coaches and i mean uh, race reports and, you know, like read up on these stories. Um, I mean, when I got this idea of, to do this New Jersey run, like I looked up like people that had run like the, uh, Moab 240 and like some of those events and tried to like, look at what kind of paces they were doing. Obviously the train was way different, but right. I wanted to kind of like understand like what that kind of would look like. I looked at similar FKTs in terms of distance and I kind of tried to compare ideas and I'm like, okay, within my, my level of fitness, maybe I could, my, an A goal would probably fit around that 40 hour mark. Um, you know, I look back and I should have said maybe like I should have shot for under two days. Um, mm. cause I hit 44 hours. Um, but I'm glad that I, I went for it and set that lofty goal because if that wasn't there in the back of my mind, you know, I might've been more complacent later on. Um, right. so, you know, having that, knowing that I was, I was right on like, even in the later stages, I was like on pace for like 42 hours, 41, 42, you know, and then 
I took a little bit too long at a lot of our little aid station stops later on when I was right. delirious. Um, that cost me time, but I mean, I was knocking on the door and that's, that's, that's the beauty of putting the carrot on the string. Like if the carrot's not on the string, like what are you, you don't, you don't have a benchmark to go for. Mm. Um, so yeah, for the new trail runners, don't be intimidated. Like running's fun. It's hard, but it's so rewarding and you can, you can achieve great things. Talk to people. There's great communities out there that full of people that have tons of great experiences that would love to share. Um, and that's the thing is that we're all very generous and um, fun, fun, easygoing people. Like we want to want to share our stories and experiences. So be a sponge, take that stuff in and you can do it for those that want to take on that lofty goal. Um, I would maybe recommend doing what I did, which was, um, you know, do some research about, um, you know, that type of distance and don't be intimidated by it either. I mean, you can definitely get through it. I mean, I got through it. Um, yes, it was incredibly challenging, incredibly hard, unlike anything I've ever experienced before, but I came out on top of it, um, you know, a stronger person. And um, I know that you can too. It's just, it's a matter of, I think a lot of it's the mental framework. I, was, I, I, I did well in the fact that I was positive. Be mm. positive. Like you look at Courtney Dewalter and she's smiling all the time. Well, that psychology says that that is good for the body. Like right. do that, like be happy, be positive. Running is supposed to be, again, transformative and empowering. Like um, I, I used to be so worried about results and, you know, just enjoying the ride, enjoying that, that experience. Like it, it allows you to just break things down into the simplest forms and really just like have a high level of gratitude for things and it now allows you to achieve great things you know i mean that was my new jersey run i came into it saying people would ask me how many miles have i gone and i said cape may um like it wasn't it wasn't it didn't matter to me how many miles i had already done that was in the past my mind was focused straight ahead like like the light of a lighthouse guiding the way out into the ocean like my awesome. focus was on that point right um Cape May was my end point and I was going to get there no matter what. And, um, if you want something in life, like go for it, work for it, strive for it. Like if you have that will, that determination, like if you're, you're a survivalist in life, like you're going to survive, you're going to do it. And that's my motivational speech for everybody. It's like, that's what this run did for me. It opened my eyes to being like, I found this piece inside of me that I knew was there all along and it's inside of all of us. And I think we can all, it, it takes a lot of hard work and, and ability to be able to pull it out of us, but it's there and we can do it. If I've done it, you can do it. It's awesome. Cole. I love it. It's so great. Yeah. And I'll, I'll echo what, you know, one of the things you touched on is the power of community. And I encourage you, if you're, if you're listening to this and maybe not plugged into a community, start there. And, you know, Cole mentioned several different running groups in New Jersey. If you're local here, uh, you can reach out to me. Of course, I'm biased for Sasquatch trail running, but I recommend other running groups all the time. Um, I'm connected to groups around the state and also in New York PA. So reach out, get connected. And um, I think, you know, what you've heard tonight is that there's a lot of power in community and um, Cole had an army behind him. So, I mean, that was an unstoppable train that went from High Point to uh, Cape May. That's what I heard this past hour. 
Yeah. And I want to throw in a, a little nugget for everybody. All right. So um, <clears throat> this is, this is a, a goal of mine that um, I'm sure a lot of you probably know, probably have read about, know about, but there's, there's another great pathway and trail through New Jersey and it goes from East to West. Um, it's called the Liberty Gap Trail. Yes. And I, I'm so I intrigued want... by Liberty Gap. Is it finished yet though? Or because I thought some of it wasn't finished. I, I think it's officially finished now, okay. but it's, it's complicated because it, it, inter, it links all other different types of like trail links, like the, uh, the uh, Patriots Path and the Lenape Trail and yep. all of these other different trail systems all across New Jersey. So logistically, it's a lot to take in. Um, right. But um, that's something that's on my radar. And, you know, for anyone that, uh, if someone wants to do it, I'd love to help pace and, and, and take in that experience. I mean, I think that that trail is going to be something to write home about. Um, just that it links pretty much two kind of like monument or national recreation areas. So right. the water gap on the West and you got the Liberty, um, what Liberty national or Liberty state park, Liberty state park. You know, yeah. Right, right, right by the Statue of Liberty. Like you take the ferry over, like, um, those are the two points. And I think that's, that's another great story for another day. Um, so that's something that's been, been on my radar that, um, you know, I think, um, I'd love for people to recon and ex start exploring that stuff because, um, that could be the next chapter in New Jersey ultra running. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I found that trail a couple of years ago when I was on the Lenape trail, just through the trail conference. Um, it looks really awesome. It's like, it's like a hundred, isn't it pretty close to a hundred miles? I think from point to point. It's a uh, hundred and fifty. Oh, it's longer than that. I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's an, it's a, it's a good distance. It's, um, but it, it's on, it's pretty much all trail. Right. So like, right. I mean, you're going to have some road connectors, but it's, um, it's a much different type of animal. Um, right. and you know, there hasn't really, I mean, there was like one guy that hiked it that I know of, um, but the story is, um, you know, remains to be written. And I really hope that people go out there and, and carve out their own, own story with it. Cause I think it's going to be something that's going to be really empowering and, and magical for us. I love it. That's great stuff. So listen, get your gummy bears, a group of friends, and uh, start doing some trail research. <laughs> it's awesome. Cole, thank you so much. You're so gracious with your time. And um, I don't know, I think you got to start doing some motivational speaking on the side. I think that, you I mean, you, you really shared a lot of really great encouraging things. I'd encourage you to, Cole, go back, watch the, the, uh, the Facebook because there's so many great comments in here and a lot of uh, really nice stuff of people were saying about you. Well, thank you, Kim. Thank you, everybody um, go beast coast. Um, you know, again, thank you to everyone, everyone watching all the support. Like, um, I mean, I've just been so humbled by this whole, whole experience. I mean, it's been totally incredible. And, um, you know, my, my purpose now moving forward is I want to take this story and help inspire others and, and show that, you know, limits are only what we, we set. Um, and what others try to set on us it's it's like being in a cage like we can live live a life uncaged and it's the most beautiful thing and i've found it and i want other people to experience that so that's that's become my new kind of message in all my ultra running now um yeah uh, it, it's the turning point i've called i've become a new cole i guess it's awesome it's so great well thank you cole again so much for sharing your story and your time with us 
Uh, if you're listening to this, uh, maybe you came in the middle of it. The replay will be on Facebook. You can catch it on our Facebook page. And then uh, early next week, we're going to load it on to our Sasquatch Trail Runners podcast, which is on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, wherever your favorite podcasts are streaming. And if you're listening, you can't see right now, but Cole is breaking it down. He's got some dance moves on the side here. <laughs> So thank you guys again so much. Learn more about Sasquatch Trail Running. You can catch us on Facebook, Instagram, or on our website, sasquatchtrailrunning.com. So until we see you again, keep it squatchy.